Welcome to After the Fact, the Knowing Faith mini episode where we look to take a big question and address it in just a few minutes. Typically, the questions we consider will line up with our larger topic for the season. That's certainly true for our time today. We're discussing Genesis 12 through 50 on Knowing Faith this season. And joining us today is Dr. Adam Howe. Dr. Howell is an assistant professor of Old Testament interpretation at Boyce College at Southern Seminary and a regular contributor to Daily Dose of Hebrew. Dr. Howell, welcome to After the Fact. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Here's the big question for us. How do Hebrew emphatic statements in the story of Abraham help us understand the concept of offspring in that story? Yeah, great question. So um, you mentioned the emphatic elements. Uh, Hebrew as a language is a rather poetic language. And um, that's one of the things that drew me to it. You get the expression of idioms in various ways or these emphatic statements that we'll we'll look at today. And so uh, there are some interesting features in the original language in these chapters. And the ones that I want to pursue today, you mentioned, are the emphatic statements and particularly centered around this idea of, of offspring in the Abrahamic narratives. And so just by way of a quick background, many of the listeners will know that offspring was one of the promises that God gave to Abraham in his covenant relationship. So uh, a couple passages here, Genesis 12, 2, God tells Abram that he will make of him a great nation, I think implying that he will have children, lots of them, right? Uh, in Genesis 15, 1 through 6, God tells Abram that his offspring will be as many as the stars in the heavens. And of course, again, in Genesis 17, after the Ishmael debacle, God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings will come from you. So so all in all, what you have here is this clear statement that God is going to bless Abraham with offspring, uh, even though at this point he and Sarah have had no biological children, right? Right. Um, the promise to Abraham is indeed offspring, but but here's the kicker. Abraham has to believe God that he is going to do something miraculous, like giving a 90-year-old woman and a 99-year-old man a biological son. And so <laughs> in some sense, then, Abraham's faith is grounded in the surety that God will do what he promised. Now, the interesting thing here in the original Hebrew is how this concept of offspring is communicated with these emphatic constructions. And in other words, what I would, where I would tie that to what I just said is that the certainty and the magnitude of offspring is emphasized in order to highlight what what I personally believe is to be the surety, the absolute surety that God will fulfill his promise to Abraham. So so with, with that background in mind, let me give you a couple of these features here. The first one is just a single word in Hebrew, and it's the word me'od. Uh, in English, it would be something like the adverb of extent or degree, something like the word uh, very or exceedingly. So we might say, I, I was very tired or I am exceedingly happy, that kind of emphasis. Now, again, some of the places where this shows up is in this context of offspring. So uh, for instance, Genesis 17, 2 uh, that I may make my covenant between me and between you. And then here it is. And I will multiply you. English translations are going to say exceedingly. That's the word. But in Hebrew, it occurs twice. Very, very, which is. So, I, I, so the word is mayod, mayod. That's exactly right. And, and it repeats. Not only is it emphatic word itself, but it repeats itself for even more emphasis. Mayod, mayod. Very, very. So uh, I love the way that's. Yeah, it's a little clunky in English, but I love it. Um, a few verses later, verse 6 in Genesis 17 does the same thing. I will cause you to be fruitful, very, very. And one thing to keep in mind with these two that's interesting is you get fruitful and multiply. 
So think back to the Genesis narrative, but these are the very things that God says he is emphatically going to fulfill. Mm. Um, so uh, that's the first one. The second one here is what's called the infinitive absolute. Now, uh, this is a unique Hebrew construction that we don't find in English. And so when we translate it, it sounds kind of clunky. Um, and and it, that, that makes sense to us, I guess. But the construction here. What it does is it takes an emphatic verbal form and it places it right beside of a standard verbal form of the exact same meaning. So, for instance, in English, we might would translate this something like multiplying, I will multiply you. So the emphatic one is multiplying and then the standard one is I will multiply you. So how's that for clunky, right? Right. Um, in, uh, in most English translations, this construction is going to get ironed out using the word surely or the word okay. indeed. So, okay. so it has this element of surety to it. This is indeed going to happen. And even more so, I think, when that statement comes from the Lord. So uh, let me give you a couple of examples of this one. Genesis 15, 1, uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, uh, do not fear, Abram, I am your shield. And then he says, your reward multiplying, I will multiply very. So this one actually has both of those constructions. Right. And yeah. of course, the the direct context here is Abram's reward. But then the conversation here in Genesis 15 continues very quickly to offspring. And so the offspring here is in the context of this emphatic statement about Abram's reward. Another one of these that we find is in Genesis 22, uh, when Abram, uh, Abraham is instructed to sacrifice Isaac. Now, we know, of course, that the Lord delivers Isaac and Abraham doesn't carry out that sacrifice. But in Genesis 22, 17, you get this emphatic instruction, uh, emphatic construction again uh, with the infinitive absolute. So I'm looking at verse 17 here, particularly in Genesis 22. It says this, for I will surely bless you. That actually is another one, but not related to offspring. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring. There it is. So we would say, I will, and multiplying, I will multiply. But again, the English, surely. Uh, and then here we get the, as the stars of the heavens and as the sand, which is on the edge of the sea, uh, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. So there's another one. And what we see then in these two features of the Hebrew text without getting into all of the original language jargon necessarily is that they help us to see that we can indeed rest in the promises of God with certainty and surety that he is going to fulfill them. And right. so when God says, I will surely do something and I will do it with veriness, right. um, then, uh, you know, you can take that to the bank, so to speak. Yeah. Now, now, you know, it's fascinating because I feel like, you know, if you were just reading it closely, like just in the English translation, you know, in a good translation, you'd probably get this sense that like, oh yeah, God is committing himself to this. Like he's, he is determined, he's promised this, it's going to happen. But it's interesting when you start talking through the, these emphatic statements, because there's actually more surety, so to speak, more confidence than maybe the English translations are even communicating. Like it's even, like, is that what you're trying to tell us is like, hey, if you read it closely in an English translation, you're going to see God is very clear that he's going to do this. But when you dig into it, it's actually even more confident. Like the, the Hebrew gives us even a greater sense of surety. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying here? Yeah, that's right. And, and part of the reason I wanted to pick out these two elements uh, of the original language is that um, especially so, so like for the use of me'od, uh, the, the word very, um, we're not going to say in English, very, very, 
you know, uh, yeah. we're, we're not going to repeat it like that. We're going to say exceedingly. And so yeah. how easy is it for us to just pass over the word exceedingly when we're reading in the English Bible? Exactly. But what's yeah. behind that absolutely is this emphatic surety that God's going to do it. And he's going to do it with magnitude yeah. as far as Abraham is concerned. Yeah. And then with the infinitive absolute, the same thing, like it's, it's not a construction we have in English. And so right. how easy is it for us to read past the word surely or the word indeed, which they do have meaning in English, right? When we get it, we read that and we understand it, but yeah, exactly what you said. It, it has even more emphasis when you dig into the original language. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, just to land the plane here, I think if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I have no intentions to ever study Hebrew <laughs> and you might, that might be something that you're thinking. Let me, ch- let me change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Al wants to change your mind. Um, but I do think what this is a good indication of is that even with something that can seem like you just said, like the word exceedingly, we can just gloss right past that, that that kind of close attention to God's word, whether you're able to study in the original language or whether you're just able to really have a uh, a consistent time of paying close attention mm-hmm. to the text that you're reading there is uh, the the truth of God's word begins to kind of flourish and kind of blossom not because it's lacking in anything but because we are oftentimes That's right and the more kind of close attention we can pay to it, the more that we realize that that application that we want, that we often just rush headlong into, it'll actually be more substantive. It will be thicker yeah, if we right. can kind of give ourselves over to that attention. Is that fair to say to our listeners, you think? It is, yeah. And I, I use the words rich. Um, you know, I, I think about, um, about like a, a, ri- a very rich dessert, you know, that's just yeah. like, it's just thick and rich. It, it's that kind of, that kind of insight that will draw uh, at this deeper, deeper level. And like you said, you, you, you don't have to have the Hebrew to do that. Uh, that can be, that can be achieved yeah. through a close reading of the English text as well. Yeah. But if you do want to look into Hebrew, you should check out Daily Dose of Hebrew. That's right. That's right. Right? That's absolutely right. (laughs) We can't leave without giving a plug for a little bit of Hebrew. Um, After the Fact is brought to you by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you want to study with incredible professors like Dr. Hal, head over to sbts.edu and discover why Southern Seminary is trusted for truth.